Welcome to the Digital Marketing Insights Podcast, brought to you by Brightside Digital. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to say we have Michael today, who's a freelance strategy director. How are you doing, Michael? Very well, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, Michael, the first question I'm going to ask you in the show is, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your career to date, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess like a lot of people in the advertising slash communications industry, my career has had a lot of different, uh, I've gone to a lot of different avenues, a lot of different uh, types of agencies and a good few different locations as well. So I would have began my career in New York um, after I graduated at the time. I'm not sure if it's still available or not, but graduates from Ireland could get a one-year visa to travel to the States. And I was lucky enough to get that. And so I worked for um, a small digital agency in right in the middle of Manhattan uh, called Blast Radius but they were housed in the same building as Y&R, which was like a massive behemoth agency. So, and there were other agencies under that umbrella as well, like Wonderman and like really, really large agencies. But last radius where I worked was tiny. There was only 50 people there. So for somebody like me that was a graduate first job, it was like, couldn't have asked for a better place because really small environment, um, and in the States as well, there's a really good culture of, you know, when they take interns in, you're not just making tea or coffee, you're actually doing work that's of value. And so you're brought yeah. in board meetings, you're collaborating with the MD, strategy directors, other strategists. So I was there for a little over a year and that was brilliant. Like it was fantastic. It was kind of 2012, 2013. So it was kind of the dawn of social media. And so I kind of worked a lot in community management and managing the social platforms of uh, the agency's clients and kind of doing pretty, pretty uh, thick uh, performance reports at the end of each quarter as well. So great. Brilliant. Yeah. And uh, obviously your most recent experience around yourself um, being a strategy director, advising yeah. clients, like, um, is there anything is there anything you want to talk about there? Is there anything that yeah. you're really proud of at the moment? Yeah, so I, I guess after um, New York, I kind of stayed in the digital area and went into digital media and worked for Cara, which are a pretty big uh, media house in Dublin. Uh, but then I kind of had the inkling that I wanted to get into strategy because, you know, uh, I loved, you know, activating campaigns and setting them up and, and putting them live. But I kind of felt like because of the way I am, I kind of like the left brain, right brain split of strategy, that it's very kind of logical. It's very kind of, you know, you have to do a lot of thinking, uh, but then there's also the creative side. So there's a nice balance to both worlds. Uh, and so I went, moved to London then after for a couple of years and kind of, I suppose, uh, learned the ropes and strategy. More recently, I kind of worked in two agencies in Dublin. One was a kind of a boutique consultancy, uh, and that was, I guess, different to uh, comms agencies uh, in that it was more kind of the consultancy model. So you were going in and CMOs are saying, look, I have this problem. Uh, can you help me out here? So it was real kind of 
I suppose, the type of work that the likes of Delight do or, or KPMG, but on a much smaller level. But again, really great in terms of like seeing a different kind of side to strategy rather than just like activating campaigns all the time because it's a pretty, it has become a pretty broad area strategy. So I kind of made, I guess, a conscious decision early in my career that I wanted to see and experience as many different types of agencies as I possibly could. So, so yeah, I guess that that's what I wanted to do, get exposure to as many kind of areas as possible. Then most recently, the last agency I worked on, I worked with was, um, they were a, a brand design agency. So again, quite different to what I'd worked in previously. So they did a lot in the kind of, um, I suppose, logo design, you know, color palettes, uh, making skins for websites and social media platforms. Um, but uh, in terms of um, recent work or projects, so would have done some pretty high profile brands. Um, I was mainly kind of, I suppose, working in the brand design area for them. So News Talk would have been a pretty high profile brand refresh that we did. Uh, and it kind of changed its logo and its design and its font um, quite recently. But the biggest project I worked on was uh, for a company called Ariente International. So they are, um, I suppose, they're, they're travel retailers. So the duty freeze that you, you see at airports, um, they were the first duty free um, the, the first duty free retailer in the world. Uh, but now that industry has evolved and it's kind of a behemoth industry. So we had a pretty major brand refresh, brand redesign for Arena, I guess, to pull the company into the 21st century a bit and make them more competitive. Um, because, you know, today their mark, their landscape, their competitive landscape is very different to what it was even 10 years ago. The kind of, you know, the center of the industry is very much in China and Asia. And they're competing against, uh, you know, uh, brands or um, holding companies that they can compete with fin on, in terms of financial resources. So my job was kind of to try and find and figure out what the sweet spot of the brand is. So like what is really great about Airinta or ARI as they're called now, what makes them different. Uh, and then we kind of developed everything from there, a proposition which led to a really innovative design thought, which was filtered Love through it. digital social and kind of transformed our business because allowed them to um, identify their brand as being really true to who they were, but did it in a completely different way to everyone else. So um, because like the industry was mainly about kind of size and scale and how much money we have, it was all about like the global spread, but uh, ARI's sweet spot was like customer service. And it's like, for every, the insight that we had was for everyone going through an airport is just a nightmare anymore. And travel retail is the only kind of little bit of a light reprieve that you have throughout that whole journey. So we came up with a, a proposition called Joy on Your Way. The joy part being that's what we do. We sprinkle a little bit of joy on otherwise pissed off customers. And then <laughs> on your way part is like the motion of like going through and onwards onto your outbound flight or wherever it may be. Love that. Very clever. Very clever. And so is is that like your biggest is that what you would say is your biggest opportunity in digital now is 
is really trying to understand the customer and then building out a plan specifically for the journey. Is that how you would go about your strategy work? Yeah, I, I think, Tom, I, I would be very passionate uh, about and have a lot of opinions about that. I think, uh, you know, going back to kind of the 2013 days and working in digital media, I always kind of felt that digital and brand were almost two separate things, that the digital side of the house was almost very much concerned about performance and click-throughs and in many ways kind of, you know, not very real metrics because, you know, for whatever reasons, numbers get distorted, but it's kind of, it was kind of almost part of like, you know, a game for want of a better word, you know, Google were in on it, you know, displays, you know, if a, if a client saw lots of clicks, they're like, oh, immediately, it, it's great for my brand. But that wasn't always necessarily the case. You know, digital is very good in, in terms of short term, but it, it, up to this point, it hasn't really captured the whole brand building thing. I think it's getting a lot better at it now. Um, but I think with AI and all of these um, developments, I think like now is a real pivotal time that all of that will change because I think the real pivotal moment is that with AI, it kind of frees up agency people to do the work that they should be doing, like focus on creativity, about creating kick-ass ideas and doing work that's of real value to a business and a brand and not just like producing endless firehose content that nobody really sees that, you know, people don't really engage with. You're producing stuff now that has benefits both the business and the brand. So I think that's what kind of excites me about the, the direction that we're moving towards. So, so you're talking about more quality content rather than the previous a load of quantity in terms of social yeah. posting and things like that. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of brands and a lot of clients got caught up in the kind of uh, frenzy of, you know, producing this infinity of content. We, we need to produce three posts a day. But if you kind of scratch the surface of that, well, why why are we doing that? Or what's the benefit or you know who's engaging and why are they engaging you know you'd struggle for answers it was almost like we need to have that presence and if everyone else is doing it it kind of doesn't matter what we're you know what our strategy or our plan is behind it we just need to have that presence but i think now like everyone realizes that people don't don't like advertising anymore you know they actively pay to avoid it with ad blockers and so for now, from this kind of, I suppose, juncture, it needs to be something that's targeted properly. It needs to be something that, you know, a client or a potential customer is getting something out of. And it needs to be interesting, you know, like tell me a story, do something in an innovative, creative way that hasn't been done before. Don't just like, you know, block, clog my feed with, you know, stuff that just annoys me. I, I, I just think it's, Ultimately, it can be a waste of money, you know. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Very good point. And is there any particular softwares you use all the time, Michael, that maybe daily or something yeah, else? Whereby? I, guess, I guess for my, um, the, the kind of work that I do, Tom, a lot of it is uh, very much engaging with the client. So we would run like lots of workshops, particularly if you're kind of designing a brand because like my job isn't to design a brand for the clients. They're the ones with all the answers. My job is just to steer them through so we get to a really get great place at the end. So I, I guess during lockdown, you know, that made 
you know, that side of what I do very difficult. So I guess a platform, it isn't the new uh, software or anything like that, but Miro is something that I took to really um, a lot uh, during that time because, uh, you know, it allows people to engage in a workshop setting uh, using software in a way that kind of you, you weren't able to do before that. So you could, you know, mimic the real world experience of a workshop. You could put people into breakout rooms and have them work and collaborate together. Uh, I also love Miro just for my own, um, uh, for the way I work in that, like a lot, an awful lot of the work the strategists do is never, never sees the light of day. It's like researching. It's like looking at the landscape. And so Miro is great for that. You can capture all of that thinking uh, yeah. and all of those sources that they use, be the, you know, video or whatever it may be, interesting articles. And I often find as well that that's really good in terms of briefing in creative people uh, because it goes a little bit deeper and is a bit more expansive than just a brief where they're reading something off a page, but they can't really get like, how did you like arrive at that place? But if I take them through a mirror board, so I started here and this is the kind of journey I went on, they kind of get to see the fuller picture and they can kind of go, now I know where his head was at when he came up with that proposition or when he wrote that insight. So for me, it's fantastic. Um, and I use it pretty much every day now. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I do really like Miro. For, uh, do you mind explaining Miro for anyone that might not be familiar, how, how it's laid out, the, the kind of... Yeah, I guess like it, how would you describe it, Tom? It's like a virtual scrapbook or something like that, really. It's like um it's like a dashboard where you can write on post-its. Um and I guess you like can like a blank canvas where you can put tables and lines and kind of it's like a, yeah. a massive whiteboard, I suppose, or something a like massive that. Massive whiteboard, yeah. And you can manipulate it or design it to whatever your kind of needs are. There's like loads of templates that you can use. Um but as I say, for me it's kind of great because you can like uh, in workshopping, it's always the first thought is the really juicy, good one. And if you lose that first thought, you're kind of losing a bit of magic. So something like Miro is great because like you're you're kind of uh, encouraging your client to the participant on and they're writing down and you, you kind of capture that first thought in essentially the way you would in real world experience through like a yellow post-it on a wall. So, yeah. uh, and at the end, then you have this like massive... Uh, tome of thoughts and words and phrases and it's my job to kind of go back and make sense and organize that love that and michael is there anywhere where you go for for new insights and information how do you stay up to date in strategy and, and the opportunities out there it, it's it's a pretty broad brush tom to be honest with you like there are strategists that i follow like very famous ones like mark pollard and julian cole and they would kind of regularly post content but then, like, I, I kind of take inspiration from everywhere, from movies, from what's happening in culture. And I feel really passionately about that as well. Like, in our industry, you've got to be interested in stuff. Like, you've got to make time to actually, uh, you know, go down those rabbit holes and find something that's really interesting. Or, you know, a camp. in my early career, I was a total nerd looking at, like, different campaigns from around the world. And just to see things, you know, that, you know, haven't been done uh, before or done in a very different way. You can't, this, this business is constantly about evolving and changing. Like you, you're not going to be successful by doing things the way they were done five years ago. 
the nature of the beast is like it's constantly evolving and you need to adapt or get left on the sidelines. Love it. And like, what would you, let's say you have a new client, it's a small SME, like, like a lot of our listeners. Um, and how would you recommend them to grow their business? Let's say like most businesses, they want sales or bigger awareness and things like that. So what would you say in the, the like current landscape in Irish business in particular, what, how would you try and grow a business? I guess um, I'm a kind of, um, you know, I, I think the tendency for a lot of startups and small businesses is to kind of feed the frenzy and say, oh, we need to be producing this type of content and we need to be visible on this platform. And that's all well and good. But I think you need really to have an understanding of why you're, you're in the business that you're doing, like what makes us different. It's the kind of classic uh, Simon Sinek, one of, you know, start with your why. And it does kind of make a lot of sense. And I know like, you know, purpose was one of these ter loaded terms that got very kind of, you know, um, bandied around. But I do think like you, you've got to kind of know why you're in the business that you're in, what makes you different. And if you're producing, you know, it may not necessarily be the product that you're producing. It may be a process. It may be your culture. It may be the people that you have. But there is something different and unique about, you know, every brand and every business. And I think uncovering that means that you're not just following the herd. You're doing something that's different and something that you can kind of feel is true to themselves. Like for me, at the end of my work, if a client comes back to me and says, it kind of feels right. Well, then I've known, I know that I've done a good job because like, if it feels alien, then you're in trouble. Like if you're kind of, if you direct them and set them in the right path, it should feel true and it should feel right to them. Um, and yeah. Well, what, if you had a preference right now for a platform that you were going to produce content for or strategize around, what would it be? Um, I don't know. We, we were talking before we, we jumped on the call about TikTok and like, obviously in terms of video, like what you can do with it and, you know, uh, like how you can engage with it is really exciting. And like, I, I'd like to see brands just be a bit braver, like, and don't be, you know, afraid of having to conform with the way, with what industry tells you, just like put something out there that feels a little bit risque because, I think a lot of the time, if a bit of thought is put into it, your customers are appreciated. Um, but yeah, TikTok is one, obviously, in terms of what you can do with it and the creativity of it. Um, Instagram, I have kind of mixed feelings about because I think it kind of is one of those platforms that started great and like brands were doing some really cool stuff. But now it's very much about promotion and self-promotion. And I always feel that like, if you're shouting to the world about how great you are, it, it can do more harm than good a lot of the time. If your material is good, your content is good, people are going to be naturally drawn towards you. Look at brands like Lego or Nike. You know, they don't have to go out and seek out their audience. People come to them because they know who they are. They know what they're about. Now, granted, they're long-term brands and it's taken a, a, a lot of investment over a long period of time. But they're fantastic brands and they're a great example of how a brand world 
and a digital world can kind of work in sync and work in harmony. Yeah. So really, you would be recommending TikTok for for businesses right now if if you had to be pushed for for one. You think that's probably the biggest opportunity. I think it kind of depends, Tom. You know, it depends on, on what your industry is, like um, what the nature of your competition is. Like if you're a financial institution, I'm not saying you wouldn't be on uh, TikTok, but it may not be your primary platform. Uh, so it kind of depends on your, your own world and your own landscape. But for me, just in terms of creativity and what, it, what can actually do in terms of digital communications, I think dig, uh, TikTok is fantastic in terms of, um you know what we've seen brands produce on us in the last couple of years yeah i love it and um is there any particular areas you're looking to upskill into michael or, or learn more about and why um well i i guess and like i listened to to your podcast enough of times tom that you know a lot of people are talking about ai and um not to kind of follow the herd but it 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 kind of does feel we're at a different juncture in terms of digital with AI. Like um, I started using it, I, I guess about six months ago now. And to be honest with you, I couldn't see myself working without it now because it just, it's like having uh, one, one guy that I follow, he calls it a strategy sidekick, but it is almost like having a junior strategist with you that you know gives you that helping hand all the time. But I think we're only literally at the very, very beginnings of it. I, I, I think now already uh, platforms like Midjourney, you can see that a lot of the imagery is getting quite similar and, yeah. and, and it looks a bit samey. But I think like when that develops and there are already like brands, uh, luxury brands out there that are running like AI generated campaigns, which is, is you know, I suppose for some people is a little bit scary but I'd be kind of looking at it, at it from an optimistic point of view in that, look, that's the way the world is going. The genie's out of the bottle. It's not going to go back in. So you've just got to kind of roll with it. And the value that we bring in our job in what we do is our human insight. And AI will never be able to replace that. Um, and I think it's about us using the technology to benefit what we do best, which is being creative, coming up with ideas and doing things differently. And Michael, I could talk all day to you, but lastly, I'm going to have to ask you the last question on the show, which is yeah. if you could bottle up one personality trait that you have yourself that you could pass on to others, what would it be? Um, I think adaptability, Tom. Um, like I've worked, as I said, uh, in a digital agency, a media agency, a consultancy, a creative agency, uh, a design agency. Uh, but essentially the job that I do is is pretty much the same. It's the same process. It's the same thinking. Um, but I think what I really liked about it is working in different environments. And just like we were talking about there with AI, I think you have to be able to adapt to what's coming next um, and, you know, be able to roll with the punches and kind of say, yeah, we may not know exactly what we're doing at the moment, but nobody else does either. So, and that's part of the kind of, I suppose, enjoying the ride of it really, isn't it? So I would say adaptability and perseverance as well, because, you know, I guess we've all kind of, we're old enough to live through times when the industry has taken a down, a downturn and, you know, work may not be as plentiful as it is. It's kind of has the inkling of that at the moment, but again, like there's always sunshine around the corner and you've got to stay positive 
and realize that, you know, things will always kind of bounce back to the way they were. 100% definitely will be. Um, that's it, Michael. Thanks so much for being on the show. If anyone wants to reach out to you, maybe talk strategy, maybe reach out to you from a business capacity. How can they reach out to you? Uh, I've got a website called Reset Strategy, uh, or else you can find me online uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Michael Brown, uh, Freelance Strategy. Love it, Michael. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. And thank you, Michael, for being on the show. Great stuff. Thank you, Tom. Take care.